Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. I think I saw the worst call I've ever seen in the history of the NFL in that Jets-Patriots game. If you have not seen the play, you need to, at some point today, ensure that you go watch the video because I'm not one of those guys who sits around and says, oh, the NFL is rigged, oh, there's any kind of uh, decision-making that's going on that is nefarious in in general. But that is the worst instant replay review I've ever seen in my life. If you haven't seen it, I think it was Austin Safarian Jenkins is catches a pass and is moving toward the left pylon. The Patriots are leading, I believe, by 10 at the time, or is it 7 at the time? I can't remember. It is, uh, I believe, 27-17, to 17, and the Jets are about to cut it to a three-point lead. And as he's going in, he juggles the ball just a little bit and I think scores a touchdown. Now, you can agree or disagree about whether he scored a touchdown. I think the only thing you could say on that play is there's not a touchdown if you were going to review it and change the call on the field. First of all, I don't think there's anything that was indisputable about the play review, but if you were going to change it, I think the only thing you could change is you could maybe put the ball inside the one and say he didn't quite get in. Instead, the instant replay review says that he's fumbling the football, which there is, I mean, he's juggling it, as he goes out of bounds, uh, bounds a little bit, but it looks like he still has full control of it. And it's not like he's reaching out for the pylon. 
he's got the ball down around his waist, and they give the ball to Patriots as a touchback. Maybe the worst call I've ever seen in NFL history, at least since, certainly, there has been replay, which is designed to avoid this kind of thing from ever happening. I, I, I don't know what the official response is going to be to explain how this happened, but this is literally the reason why you have replay to ensure that something like this never happens. And so I want to, before I get into anything else, I, I, I'm still in disbelief over what I saw there. I have no idea how it could have happened. All right, that's me on the soapbox for what I think was the worst call I've seen in an instant replay era. Indefensible. The NFL is going to have to review this and figure out how this error could happen and in some form or fashion avoid something like this ever happening again. Because can you imagine if a call like that happened in a playoff game? God forbid it happened in the Super Bowl. I don't know that in our modern era the NFL could ever recover from an event like that when it comes to trusting officiating. If that would have been a really massive game, I know a lot of you are watching the Jets-Patriots game, not to say it's an insignificant game, but at least it's week six, seven of the NFL season. So by and large, a lot of people are just going to have this story fade. But man, I got to tell you, that was an indefensible decision. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Colin Kaepernick has filed a grievance um, alleging that there is collusion that has kept him from becoming an NFL football player. I don't see this as being a very likely uh, successful story. Just a couple of details on this. It is now the grievance process is arbitration. So it's not as if this is a lawsuit that will turn into a massive multi-year event. It is a grievance proceeding, which will take place in an arbitration context. That matters. Again, I'm putting my lawyer hat on here. That matters because it's not as if there's going to be some massive round of discovery or that you have to show up and be subpoenaed and everything else and be deposed. I think the likelihood of Colin Kaepernick finding anything here is extremely low unless there are NFL owners emailing each other saying, ha ha, I'm not going to hire Colin Kaepernick. You make sure that you don't hire Colin Kaepernick either. It's going to be almost impossible to prove this at all. And the general rule here is it requires multiple owners or an owner in a league. It would require basically there being email evidence that owners are conspiring not to hire Colin Kaepernick. And I don't think that's what's happening here. I think owners are making the decision not to hire Colin Kaepernick because he's bad for their business. And maybe somebody else is going to get desperate enough. Maybe it'll be the Packers. Maybe somebody will get desperate enough to go hire Colin Kaepernick. But I think the idea that there's collusion is laughable. I think Colin Kaepernick, when he took a knee, drastically overrated his own value. I've been saying this for a long time. If Aaron Rodgers were healthy and he took a knee because he believed that America was unfairly treating ISIS, there would still be a lot of NFL teams that would line up to sign sign Aaron Rodgers. And the reason is because he's such a good quarterback that his politics wouldn't matter. But when you are Colin Kaepernick, and you are mediocre at best, and you are a backup quarterback now at best, and you got beaten out last year by Blaine Gabbert, and you call police officers modern-day slave catchers, 
and you wear socks with the police depicted as pigs, and your girlfriend calls the owner of the Baltimore Ravens a slave master and says that Ray Lewis is an Uncle Tom, and when you say that Fidel Castro is someone that the United States should emulate, there are plenty of reasons why lots of teams across the NFL don't want to sign you, and your talent does not exceed your problems. I think that Colin Kaepernick is not talented enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think he is not good enough to overcome the distraction that he brings and the negative business that he brings for taking a knee and being a backup. And I think that's the simple truth of the matter, and I've been saying it for a long time. That is the situation with Colin Kaepernick. There's no grand conspiracy. There's no massive uh, goal by the NFL to keep him out of the league. As I pointed out before, Every other player who has taken a knee, every single one of them, is currently employed in the NFL. It's not taking the knee that's the issue. I think it's Colin Kaepernick never telling his side of the story. I think calling police officers modern-day slave catchers is probably the dumbest single statement that I have seen any player make in the history of the NFL. I wouldn't employ Colin Kaepernick to write at my site. I'll kick the coverage. I wouldn't employ him to work on this radio show irrespective of whether or not he's good enough to talk on the radio with me, I think it would be bad for business. I really do. And I'm in the business of trying to entertain as many people every single day as I can. And I think that would alienate a large segment of our audience. If I would not hire him to be on my radio show, why in the world would an NFL team do the same? I think this entire collusion argument is going to be a joke. I think he's just an attempt to keep his name in the public eye, and I think he's going to fail. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Again, I'm putting my lawyer hat on here. Absent there actually being emails from one owner to another or from the league to ownership saying, do not sign Colin Kaepernick because he's bad for NFL business, I don't think that it's going to happen at all. Now, the fact that he opted out of his contract is not something that's significant here. I do think it hurts him overall. I do think it hurts him in the eyes of the general public. He opted out of his contract because he believed the 49ers were going to cut him. But I think perception for him, if you were going back in time, would have been better if he had had everybody just wait and said, I'm going to wait until they cut me. And then when the 49ers cut me, I will actually end up uh, looking like I'm more of a pariah and less uh, less of a reason for me to have been kicked to the curb. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Hey, I'll tell you what I'm angry about. It's how bad Tennessee and Nebraska have become at football. Guys, look, I'm not saying that Nebraska is ever going to be great again at college football. I think the decision to go to the Big Ten was a bad one. I think it cut off their recruiting angle to the state of Texas and Oklahoma and all points south. I think there's a lot of people who don't really care about most of the rivalries that exist in the Big Ten. Nebraska has got a lot more money, but they've got a lot less relevance, I think, in general, because they fit in better in the Big 12 than they do in the Big Ten. But I like it when Nebraska is good. I think it's good for college football when big-time, strong programs are strong. And you guys know I feel the same way about the University of Tennessee. And Butch Jones is so thoroughly incompetent that to me, both Nebraska and Tennessee are representative of the number one lesson in college football right now, which is you're only as good as your coach. 
If Urban Meyer was the coach of Tennessee or Nebraska, Tennessee and Nebraska would win national championships. If Nick Saban was the coach of Nebraska or Tennessee, Tennessee and Nebraska would win national championships. What, to me, Nebraska and Tennessee represent is the failure of athletic directors to bring in coaches who can win at a high level. To me, if I'm Nebraska right now, and Nebraska just hired the athletic director from Washington State, this is a no-brainer. I go hire Mike Leach. If I don't hire Mike Leach, I bring Scott Frost back from down at Central Florida where he's winning at a pretty high level. Those are my two choices there. I'd also make a reach out to Chip Kelly, see whether or not he might be interested. I think Nebraska is going to get a really good coach. Similarly, I think Tennessee is going to get a really good coach this time, but their athletic director has to get some balls and they have to go ahead and fire Butch Jones. I've been on the anti-Butch Jones train for a long time. I don't think the guy is smart. I don't think he's talented. I don't think he is a very good representative for Tennessee. And I've been making this analogy for a long time. There are two things that stood out when Butch Jones had me up to Knoxville to try and give me the dog and pony show to convince me that he was going to win at a high level at Tennessee. And I think this is instructive in general for a lot of different college football programs because college football, your coach is effectively like your quarterback in the NFL. You know how uh, Aaron Rodgers got injured for the Green Bay Packers and now Green Bay is not going to be any good? That's what happens when you go from a good coach to a bad coach in college football. And so, Butch Jones brings me up. I go around looking at all these brand new facilities that are just about to open at Tennessee. They've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on the facilities. And I'm in the bathroom in the main you know, player bathroom, and there's a urine chart right above me. Urine chart. And it's about what color is your urine. And, and it's like a big deal what color your urine is, such that Butch Jones spends all day talking about the urine chart. He's got limited number of hours that he can lead practice, and he is in practice talking about what color urine guys are. Can, and he walks up to a player, and he's like, hey, what's going on? He's like, I can see it in your eyes. You haven't been drinking enough water. Your urine's too, too, I mean, too dark. I mean, seriously, this is what Butch Jones is saying in practice, walking around with a microphone. And like, I remember turning to the guys I was with there, and I'm like, he really believes this urine thing. He's obsessed with how much water the players are drinking. And to the point where he's walking around out there talking about what color urine they've got. I, I, was, I was in disbelief of all the things you could be coaching. And then after that, he takes us around on a tour, and there's a bench press. And the bench press, uh, you know, the, the bench machines are all right beside this new juice bar. And I swear to God, he spends like 15 minutes talking about the juice bar. How much difference the juice bar is going to make, how they can make mango smoothies, how they can make all these different types of different smoothies right there. He's like, guy can be on a bench press. He can stand up. He can walk over to the juice bar and he can get a brand new smoothie. Think about how much of a difference that's going to make. He can get a protein smoothie. He can get a lean, uh, lean mass smoothie. He can get a, a mango smoothie. He can get a, a kale smoothie. Uh, how cool is this going to be? This is going to be a difference maker for the program. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, this juice bar ain't beating Nick Saban. If you are trying to sell me facilities, you ain't going to win at a high level in major college football. And I've been saying it ever since then. It's a good catchphrase that I would encourage you guys to bring to bear. Anytime somebody tries to tell you something that doesn't matter actually matters, say, don't juice bar me, bro. That juice bar ain't beating Nick Saban. Butch Jones is a joke. He should have been fired after the 41 nothing biggest defeat since 1905. He should have been fired after this loss to South Carolina. If John Curry, the athletic director at Tennessee, does not fire Butch Jones 
after Alabama beats Tennessee by 40 points, then I think Tennessee is going to do what they do. Going to go out and get a coach who can't win at a high level, and they're going to blow their opportunity to pursue Chip Kelly. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. This is actually kind of funny. We're in an age where everybody apologizes for everything. Last night, I don't know if you heard it, but Al Michaels on uh, Sunday Night Football and on NBC made a Harvey Weinstein joke, which was uh, immediately Twitter, like everybody grabbed their pearls and fainted on the couch and said, oh my God, how in the world can we, ha- how, how can we live in a world where someone could make a Harvey Weinstein joke? Uh, here is that audio. And then do we also have the apology? Because Al Michaels had to apologize. I actually thought it was pretty funny. Here's Al Michaels last night talking about the, uh, the the road that the New York Giants have been on. I mean, let's face it. The Giants are coming off a worse week than Harvey Weinstein. And they're up by 14 points. Only my L.A. guy comes up with that well, one. Well, you know. There you go. All you have to do is read the papers. <laughs> any paper. He uh, later came back and apologized for that. I actually thought that was kind of funny. Look, I mean, that is, I don't know what era we have entered where guys are like, people are just perpetually offended. Why is everybody like uh, always demanding everybody get fired? I can't believe that so-and-so said that. That's unacceptable. Fire them, everything else. Just deal with it, right? I mean, that's kind of a funny line. He's not comparing uh, Harvey Weinstein's, you know, like it's a joke, right? It's not that serious of a joke. Get over it. Anyway, Al Michaels had to come back and apologize later for that. Hopefully he doesn't end up getting fired. Everybody on social media is so angry about everything every single day. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. There's the melodic tunes of the Outkick Top 10. Uh, Number 10. Look, you know, it's rare that I say this, but I think that Notre Dame may be the most under- Looked most disrespected, overlooked, maybe is the word better than underlooked, uh, most overlooked team in college football right now. The Irish are 5-1, and one, and in their final six, they've got a heck of a lot of good teams coming, starting with USC coming to town this weekend. Notre Dame's 5-1. and one. They've won every game by 20 or more points, except for their one-point loss to Georgia. And Georgia, by the way, looks pretty good, scored 40 or more four different times so far. Notre Dame, I think, has an outside chance to make the playoff. Guys, look at the games that they have left in their final six. When I count Navy, even though Navy lost to Memphis, five of their final six are really good. Let's see if I can manage to hit this without screwing it up. They've got USC. They've got NC State. They've got Miami. They've got Navy. And they have got uh, one more good team out there that uh, that's name is escaping me at the moment. But they have got five of their final six are basically borderline top 25-ish teams. And so when you look at this Notre Dame schedule down the stretch, this is a team that if they go 11-1 and are going to be in the mix to make the playoff. Again, they have got a loaded schedule and they've still got a lot of opportunities to make a statement starting with USC this weekend. Down the stretch, five of Notre Dame's final six borderline top 25 opponents. That's going to make a big difference, including, by the way, a potential rematch of Catholics versus convicts in November where Miami could be undefeated. Clemson. I'm dropping the Tigers all the way to number nine. I don't think they're out of the playoff pick, uh, picture. Far from it. They basically have a mulligan. They lost on the road at Syracuse. Dino Baber's crew, huge win for Syracuse. I think Clemson still 
if they run the table from here, this loss will not matter at all. But they gave up their mulligan. They've got no other misses. This is alarming a little bit if you're a Clemson fan because you still have NC State. And potentially you're going to get Miami in the ACC title game or an NC State. Uh, that NC State game, maybe you don't even make the ACC title game. So I'd be nervous a little bit if I'm a Clemson fan. Number eight, nobody's paying attention to Wisconsin because Wisconsin doesn't play anybody. I told you before the season that Wisconsin was my pick to win the Big Ten because I felt more confident about Wisconsin winning the Big Ten than I did anybody else because the Big Ten East is so stacked. The Big Ten West is a collection of much lesser teams. I believe Wisconsin is going to win the Big Ten West. I think they're actually going to be 12-0 when they play in the playoff against either Penn State or Ohio State, I think is the most likely winner of the Big Ten East. At seven, the Miami Hurricanes. Mark Rick, the year two, decent chance that Miami is going to be the representative of the ACC Coastal. And if that happens, man, Miami's not only in the mix potentially to win the ACC Coastal, they're in the mix to win the ACC and potentially make the playoff as well in year two of Mark Rick. Number six overall, you know what? I think Ohio State might be the second best team in college football right now. I know they lost a home game to Oklahoma. I know they did not look good in that performance. I know JT Barrett was not very good. JT Barrett has looked a lot better since then. Last three weeks, Ohio State has been downright dominant. I know the team hasn't been great, but you go on the road and you destroy Rutgers, then you destroy Maryland, and now you destroy Nebraska. We'll see what happens with that big game they're preparing for. I believe Ohio State on a bye week this coming week to get ready for Penn State. I think Ohio State wins that game. I think Ohio State runs the table the rest of the way and is 11-1 playing against 12-0 Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. Uh, at number five overall, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, the Sooners got a nice win over Texas in the big uh, Red River rivalry, the Red River shootout, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's an awesome game to go to if you have the chance sometime to go to Oklahoma and to Texas. I was impressed with uh, Sam Bradford and co. bouncing back after losing as a 31-point favorite. Oklahoma similar to Clemson. They, they got their mulligan loss, but they have no other mulligans left on the table here. Got to go 12-1, and including beating TCU in Norman and then probably beating TCU again in the Big 12 title game, which I think most likely is going to end up TCU against Oklahoma. Uh, in terms of uh, other games here, as we move up on our list, Oklahoma number five, if you're just getting in your car, my top ten. Number ten, Notre Dame. Number nine, Clemson. Number eight, Wisconsin. Number seven, Miami. Number six, Ohio State. Number five, Oklahoma. Number four, Penn State. I think Penn State is going to blow out Michigan this weekend in Happy Valley, get their revenge for last year's game. That line opened around Penn State, a 10-point favorite. I think the Nittany Lions are going to blow out Michigan this weekend. Unfortunately, I think Penn State's going to lose on the road at Ohio State if you're a Nittany Lion fan. But enjoy this weekend because I think James Franklin's team is going to kick the crap out of Jim Harbaugh's team. Number three overall, I've got TCU. I said I think we're going to get a rematch. TCU against Oklahoma is my prediction for the Big 12. You know you're going to get a rematch because every team plays every other team in the Big 12. So we'll see what happens with that rematch. But right now I've got TCU number three overall. Nice win. I've got them big, by the way, over Kansas this weekend. The poor bastard Jayhawks are in for a beatdown. Number two, Georgia Bulldogs. I think the SEC has got a very good chance to get two different teams into the playoff this year. Georgia and Alabama, I think, are going to be 12-0 each when they get to the SEC title game. That's why the top two teams in the OutKick top 10 are both from the SEC. Alabama Crimson Tide remains number one. 
uh, with a bullet. They're 34-point favorites over Tennessee. They were 37-point favorites over Arkansas. The Alabama Crimson Tide, I think, going to beat the crap out of Butch Jones' Tennessee Volunteers this weekend and send Butch Jones into SEC coaching retirement. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.